create an image that is jubilant. One that shouts out, you existed and enjoyed every moment of it. Let them know you showed up and you had a party. This is how I show up. Art makes me visible. This is Studio Confessions, a podcast inspiring conversation with artists and creatives as they complain about failure and success. Listen in for insight and strategies on how to live a more creative and beautiful life. That's right, I said beautiful. I am Luis Martin, the art engineer. Thanks for listening. I was standing in line feeling awkward and out of place in this corporate congregation. Like a prey in the Serengeti, I would assume, I was hyper aware of my environment for possible threats, oncoming stampedes, or even perhaps a friendly face. The conversations around me darted buzzwords like monetization, land grabs, and other words mosquitoed past my ear, but I was still in my pre-caffeine days to decipher the context clues of foreign banter. But I'd been here before, you see, I often step out of my comfort zone. I take the advice of the sage meme on social media. I serve myself a dose of the pop psychology I casually dish. And I often walk into rooms where no one knows my name and I know no one. Why? Am I a masochist? Because I don't know enough. Because I don't like the systems that exist for me as an artist to thrive. So I venture out. I mingle. I mingle with the other side of the system. I infiltrate entrepreneurial circles, read their books, and go to some of their events. Usually, I'm the only artist present, which makes me feel a little bit like an anthropologist, looking for science in the variations of gingham shirts all the men wear. It makes me feel special. Because in a place like New York, and I forget that it's just in a place like New York, you can't get on the train without a huge canvas blocking your way and an artist standing right behind it. Or a b-boy missing your face with his shiny new Air Jordans as he and his crew battle it out between stations. This is New York. But I'm used to this feeling. The loner wanderer, searching for something I'll only recognize when I see it. And I'm okay with it. I especially enjoy that at any moment I can bolt out of the usually fluorescent-lit conference room and run into the Manhattan streets and be illuminated by all of its colors. Only then could the likes of me be visible. But this wasn't Africa. Far from it. It was the South. I was in the South. I wasn't on safari, and I'm sure I wasn't going to be killed or maimed by any of the native folk around me. But I did feel outnumbered and rather exotic. I was a rainbow zebra in the midst of a corporate beige flock. I'd really wandered off the grid for this adventure, but I was present and ready. Once I found my coffee, anyway. Back in line for the next networking event, behind me stood a couple, co-workers perhaps, or maybe a pair of starred wannabes like me. They too spoke the local dialect. They threw out numbers and talked about scaling products of some sort or the other. I got the impression that they were here to follow suit on trends that might be five minutes too old. In the distance to my right, something caught my eye. Wavy hair and a gleeful gait. It was a familiar figure approaching. I'd seen this person before, maybe not here, maybe in line at the Blue Bottle in Williamsburg or open studios in Bushwick. Whoever they were, they reminded me that home wasn't that far off. And more to the point, if I was a rainbow zebra, they were a triple stack of neon peacocks glittering in the sun. That was who was walking towards me. What a relief, I thought. I'd have to say hi. When they approached the line, 
I could identify that they were male. They seemed confused and reached out to the couple behind me. Is this the registration? He asked. The woman in the couple stammered to reply and spit it out. Um, no, 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 no. Um, you need pre-registration for this event. Oh, I'm clearly in the wrong place. Thanks, they replied. Before I could turn to see them walk away, from behind me came, did you see what he was wearing? The man in the couple darted. That's why I said he needed pre-registration. I could hardly contain my composure. My eyes turned to stone, my body stiffened. What an utterly ugly moment. Ew, I would have turned around and said, excuse you, said my brother when I shared the story, but I felt outnumbered. And the incident only confirmed my feeling of being an exotic animal that might look too good as decoration in someone's pseudo co-working space. But as I internalized the incident, or now in my head it turned into an event, I analyzed myself beyond my feelings and thought, perhaps I was dressed too damn conservative. Did I blend in too well in this homogenous mix? Didn't they see the brown queer man standing in front of them? No, they didn't. And that's part of the problem. Maybe I was too conservative in my khakis and button-up shirt. I wore my armor of charms and rings and even carried an assortment of rocks and crystals in my pocket. But that wasn't enough, not anymore. I'd been here before too. You see, I'm a total ham, but not like a showbiz ham. I'm not demanding of the spotlight. I want my art to do that for me, but I'm ready for my close-up at all times. And if you want a show, I'll give you a show. But you wouldn't know that by just looking at me. As a matter of fact, I survived my childhood learning how to invoke invisibility. Yep, just like Harry and his crew, I escaped monsters by being imperceivable. The trouble with this, and as any good witch will tell you, Magic is a tricky thing, and you have to be careful for what you wish for. Obviously, I have yet to shake off my invisibility cloak. I remember once when I was in middle school. I was late to class, but took my time to enjoy the empty hallways that were usually a war zone for me. At some point, I found myself walking behind one of the PE teachers. He was walking with a student, and much like the event in the corporate Serengeti, another visibly queer student passed by. They both scuffed. But in all his wisdom, the PE teacher addressed the student and offered him advice. You have to be careful with what you say. These days, and bear in mind it was the 90s, they have laws to defend these fags. It's just wrong. I was in the sixth grade then. So righteousness and justice seemed like a pillar in society. This is unacceptable, I thought. I should go tell a counselor. Boy, would the younger me be surprised to learn what's acceptable today. So I went off and I shared what I'd witnessed with a counselor. I had then and still have yet to see any of the mobster flicks with their very definite opinion on snitches. I was not intimidated by the situation. I'm not sure what I thought would happen. I must have really thought they, the powers that be, that guarded the well-being of the student body, would take care of the situation. Maybe send the PE teacher to sensitivity camp, cuff him to a pair of pom-poms and make him lead the cheerleading squad for a week. I don't know. I didn't question crime and punishment then. What did happen was a few days later, I was interrupted from my favorite class, Miss Ofer's English class. She was from the South and had a lazy eye that was more mean than lazy. She called me child and pointed out the doohickeys I adorned myself with. Even then, I wore my crystals and charms. But most of all, she pointed out that I couldn't spell diddly squat, but that I had a knack for words, and that I along with being an artist, I was a writer. 
So there I was, in Ms. Ofer's class, enjoying the only 45 minutes in the day where I felt smart. When an administrator with a summons marched in, Luis, child, what you do now? Come up here, Ms. Ofer called out. And like that, I was ejected from the only pleasure of my day. When I got to the office, the door and my mouth must have been wired together, because as I opened the door, my jaw hit the floor when I saw the damn PE teacher sitting next to an empty chair, with my name on it, apparently. I didn't respond or reacted outwardly. If you've grown up in abusive environments, you learn to internalize fucked up situations. Hi, Luis, said a vice principal I'd never met or would ever see again. His voice had an infomercial cadence. I'm glad you're here. Mr. P. Teacher, as we'll call him, since I never bothered to learn his name, would like to apologize for the comments he made in the hallway. With a forced tone that delivered exquisite enunciation, Mr. P. spoke, I am sorry, Luis. Do you have anything you'd like to say to Mr. P. E., Luis? Nope, I enunciated myself. And that was that. I didn't get stitches for snitching. What I did get was some mid-career vice principal check my name and incident off of his to-do list. And in doing so, creating one more adversary in a school replete with bullies and their friends. No real nightmares came of the incident, nor did it offer any solution or lesson to what could have been a quintessential teachable moment. I saw Mr. P in the hallways and in the locker rooms, but I was dealing with bigger issues at the time so much that he just faded into the background. What the sixth grade version of me did walk away with was distrust, a distrust of authority and an association to safety in staying anonymous, silent, and invisible. This lesson has obviously followed me into my adulthood, sometimes without me realizing it, I go invisible, undetected. It happens to me as a gay man, as a Mexican-American, and as a member of a lot other communities I belong to, but whose flag I don't wear or plaster on my forehead. Invisibility is not all magic. Part of it comes from having two immigrant parents whose livelihood came from being invisible and not being deported. There are whole generations of people still forced to be invisible, to stay clear from ICE, because ICE, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, is not looking for documentation. They're looking for brown indigenous people like me and they are weaponized. Deeper still, invisibility is not only about safety, but it's also a chronic condition brought on by dehumanization and allegations that we are rapists and drug smugglers, that along with our children, we belong in cages, corralled like animals. Actually, no, not like animals, because Americans, Americans value their dogs' lives more than they value our lives. And this stings. This is how the invisibility shtick lost its charm for me. Ultimately, this is why I collage. Art makes me visible. This is why I write, why I podcast. This is why art is my life. Art is about the multifaceted reflections of our human experience. It gives me the power to create a reflection that is strong and beautiful, a reflection of myself that I could not find in the media or in our American narrative. This is how I show up. Hey, want to support this independent podcast? Go to studioconfessions.com and buy a print of any of the cover art for any of the episodes. Also, while you're there, join the email list to get updates and subscribers-only content. Remember to follow me on Instagram at artengineer.
Now let's get back to the conversation. Back in the corporate Serengeti, I was processing so much media information from the event, I had lost my mental schedule in the shuffle. While I centered myself, I stood alone, staring blankly at my phone, slightly bewildered. The talks were in mid-swing. The conversation everywhere seemed to hum like busy bees. I leaned in and took comfort in the vibration of that hum. And in it, I heard, I am a witch. As a pagan, I want to see myself represented. My trance was broken and the biggest grin formed on my face. I crept closer to the source of this voice and entered the room. I took a seat in the back so as not to disrupt the conversation. What do you, as part of the community, need to see? She rhetorically asked the small group as she pointed at me, then pointed at an empty seat in the front row. The group was small. They were dispersed and nestled around the speaker. All that was missing was a campfire, but just for the visual, because the group already beamed a warm glow. I smiled, and once I was settled, I raised my hand. Well, I began. We need to show up. Yes, replied the witch. We need to show up for each other. And in speaking this in that circle, I felt visible. I felt part of my truth. I felt part of a larger community. One that's not defined by demographics or identity markers. You see, a big theme in this event was identifying your niche. Who is your audience? The idea of a niche sounds easy enough, right? The common wisdom is to define your niche. You need to think about yourself and the defining groups you're part of and the subgroups of those groups. But I am a product of a quilt of subgroups. Choosing one seems like rejecting the rest. I was literally raised with the idea, everyone's invited to this party. But as they say, if you're trying to please everyone, you please no one. On my way home, on the plane, breathing the rarefied air 10,000 miles up in the sky, it came to me, my avatar. I am many things. And above all, I am the underdog. I see it in the people I gravitate to. I see it in the artists I interview on this podcast. We share that fire in our belly that evokes drive. And above all, individually, we pursue excellence in our craft, despite all else. We are underdogs, the outliers, who are part of many communities, but are defined by none of them. In talking about the underdog, I get to talk about our individual approaches to our struggles and successes, because that is what will bring us together. Our common goal to live a creative and beautiful life here and now. I am an artist and I see color. It tells me we are not all created equal. It tells me that it's not about equality as much as it is about equity as in everyone gets the support they need to thrive in the here and now. The visual landscape has been diversifying, and there are more images of people of color at the moment. But don't be fooled. We only see these images in our little watering holes on social media bubbles. They know your niche better than you know yourself, and they're marketing something. They want you to buy something very specific. The metaphoric Serengeti of America is huge. Until you see the likes of yourself in more than one character or two in a major motion picture, it's not enough. We are still invisible. Until you have more than one present in our entire history that reflects the diversity in our country, it's not enough. We are still invisible. And until it's no longer necessary to fly your identity flags to navigate in a world that disparages otherness, it's not enough. 
we are still invisible and attacked. Until then, and even after, we must find ways to show up, to show up for ourselves and others. Let's employ art to activate the situation. Take a look at the work of T.C. Cannon, a Native American artist from the Ki-Owa tribe. His work was recently shown in an impressive solo show at the National Museum of the American Indian in New York. It's up through September 16th, 2019. If you don't make it, there's a great catalog that accompanies the exhibit. His large paintings capture everyday life and the people around him in very vibrant color. Turquoises, oranges, purples, the paints are alive and unmutable. He captures the textures and rhythms of a narrative our country continually tries to erase and institutionally muzzle. Here's your prompt. Look through the pictures on your phone, or even better, go to a relative's house. Find an actual photograph from a birthday party. Look for an image where there is a group of your family posing together in celebration. Take that picture to a copy center and enlarge it in black and white. Once at home, grab some crayons or markers or both. Bring back the color to the picture, not as it was, but as you remember it or as you wish to remember it. If your mom was wearing a white blouse, but you always remember her with her fiery personality, color it red. You always wanted blue hair, now's your chance. Create texture by using patterns. Think of lines, crosshatches, dots, X's, circles, have fun. Create an image that is jubilant, one that shouts out you existed and enjoyed every moment of it. Let them know you showed up and you had a party. Want to take it one step further? Photograph your new image onto shipping labels, Avery 5265, and sticker bomb the world. Let them see us. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Instagram at Art Engineer. Connect about this podcast and anything you've heard at studioconfessions.com. Reach out with any feedback. I'd love to connect. If you enjoyed this podcast round, do me a favor. Share it with someone that will benefit from it. And remember, artists are precious. Art is a business. Thank you.